Welcome to the very first episode of the Mile High Flight Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and other sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, alongside Enrique Cisneros. And I have to say, I'm really excited to get into this. How about you, Enrique? Absolutely. What's up, Ryan? Super excited. Got tons of stuff to talk about, not just Broncos. Obviously, the Broncos had huge, huge, huge stuff going on to start to out the, the season. But we'll start out with some of the other stuff uh, first. Obviously, the big one in Cleveland, Deshaun Watson waving the no trade clause to go to the Browns. How do we feel about that? Man, it's it's interesting because it got down to it. It took, what, like a year and a half to get to this point. And then it was down to we thought the Falcons and the Saints. And he said no to the Browns. And he turns around and he's like, yeah. Actually, you know what? Never mind. Let's let's go to the Browns. And that's it's huge for them, but you know, he's got his own thing going on. He might get suspended, and that's a heck of a contract. Every single penny guaranteed. Oof. Yeah, that's a big contract. That was the other thing that I was wondering as well was how how done is the legal case? Um, I know that he didn't face any criminal charges. And I don't want to get too too into the legal stuff about it, but that's that's a big thing. Obviously, the, the Browns must have felt very comfortable whether he was going to get suspended or not suspended. Um, and then, obviously, fully guaranteed five-year, $230 million. That's a lot of money to, that you're putting on your franchise quarterback, and you already now have – bad blood with your previous franchise quarterback that you have to shop now. And now, you know, you, if you're going to have Deshaun sit any amount of time, I, I, I just think that's, um, that's a bad taste for Browns fans. If, uh, if you ask me for sure. Absolutely. But absolutely. I do think he's worth it for sure. Cause I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes and all these other great quarterbacks that like we saw Joe Burrow last year, but everyone forgot about Deshaun Watson. And that and that's understandable because you know obviously he's playing for the Texans. Texans are a bad team. He didn't want to play there anymore and didn't get an opportunity to play last year. But um, yeah, I think of the teams that he could have chosen, I think Cleveland was by far the best choice for him. Um, and I mean, I just hope it all works out at the end of the day. Yeah, man, I, I agree. And you brought up a lot of good points. And you know, I, I do think that they probably have the strongest roster out of. The, uh, the uh, teams that were in on him, uh, you know, the connection to his hometown in Atlanta was kind of interesting. And it seemed like that's where it was going to go for a second. But uh, the, the Browns is definitely in the last few years has came on strong as an organization and built up that roster. And kind of ironically, as you mentioned about Baker, you know, he's the one that almost spurred that on when he came and had some success for once with the Browns. And that's why a lot of those free agents came and made that roster as strong as it is. And now they're kind of just tossing them to the side, you know, and it's like, but at the same time also, you know, it's kind of the way it's played out. He, he they're not going to get anything for him on the open market because he, everybody knows he doesn't want to be there and the Browns don't want him. So it's just a bad situation all around on that end, but Definitely a good spot for Deshaun Watson football-wise. Yeah, and I definitely feel 
feel for Baker too, because I, f- I agree with your point. I feel like Baker, and this is something we've always, always known about Baker Mayfield, and this is why he was one of my favorites coming out uh, into the NFL. Uh, Baker plays with a lot of swag, dude. Baker plays with a yeah. lot of swag. He plays with a lot of yeah. confidence. And I feel like the fans, the city, and a lot of his teammates – you know, like got that from him and wanted to play for Cleveland and want like Baker was proud to be in Cleveland. I mean, look at the commercials. Like, yeah, I'm, it's just it's it's terrible. I'm, but, I'm with you there. Um, yeah, I, I think regardless of what Baker goes and does, and um, you know, obviously we'll we'll get into some Baker stuff. Um, I, I I think he's gonna be good. I, I I I'm still a believer in Baker Mayfield. I know that there's his uh his doubters for sure and i have my personal problems with him but i think uh you know it's kind of almost like a carson wentz type situation maybe he got and hopefully he doesn't shit the bed like carson did and (laughs) but um hopefully baker's able to go somewhere that you know just needs a needs a swaggy young mobile quarterback you know what i mean that's that's what i'm hoping for baker um because yeah i just think he deserves that especially because yeah, I mean, there's definitely no quarterback competition now. Like, it's oh, for sure, by for far. sure. They well, mortgage the whole franchise for Deshaun Watson, and he doesn't want to be there anymore, anyways, with the way that they treated him, you know. And it's but there's plenty of other teams that will take him. You know, it, it looks like the Colts, maybe Seattle, is a good option after the Russell Wilson trade that we'll talk about in a second. Um, so you know, there's there's definitely options for him out there, and you know to help out Deshaun Watson on the Browns another one of our big names in free agency is actually Amari Cooper before this trade went down got traded over to the Browns from the Cowboys for just a fifth round pick so you know Jarvis Landry left in free agency so at least they're picking that uh, wide receiver room back up a little bit but uh, yeah definitely an interesting situation going on around there I think it's interesting because if if the Browns' plan was to bring in Deshaun Watson, right, which I agree, if that's your plan, you're going to make this franchise-altering move to do that, why not hang on to Jarvis Landry? Why not? Right. We, you, you kept uh, David Njoku, who, uh, I mean, he's one of those, like, weird tight ends for me. Sometimes he shows out, sometimes he doesn't. Um so I'm not just a big, big fan of them because um, I think they put the franchise tag on them, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. I think you're right. Um, and then you let Jarvis go. Odell's gone. So you have, um, what's his name? People's Hope? Is that? Is that... Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got Donovan Peoples-Jones. Sorry. Um, and then you got Amari Cooper. And the running game, obviously. And the Browns, now that they have a quarterback, you know, they're going to have a, a, a bit more balanced attack. And I, I right. say now that they have a quarterback, taking a shot at Baker. Sorry, Baker. Yeah. But um, obviously, it's Deshaun Watson. It's Deshaun Watson. But right. I, I, like the Cooper, I like the Cooper trade. Um, I like it a little bit better for the Browns because I still think that Amari's got a few more uh, years in him. And I think he's going to be – I think before Deshaun Watson came to the Browns, Amari Cooper was probably going to be, you know, in that 600, 700-yard, you know, six-touchdown category. Now I, I see him being, you know, a 1,000-yard receiver again. Maybe not an outstanding year, but just a very solid year. And 
yeah, I think it was a good move for the Browns. Um, I think the Cowboys kind of lost on it personally, but I mean, they, they had to get rid of him. So I get it. Yeah. Well, and then the Cowboys have been losing a lot in free agency so far, unfortunately for them. But, um, and I, I do think you're right on the, uh, Amari Cooper situation, uh, in the sense that, uh, he's elevated or he's, um, getting a better quarterback into Sean Watson than Dak Prescott. And same for the Browns organization in general, I think you're going to see, although that wide receiver room looks outside of Amari Cooper to be sort of weak right now uh, with the loss of Jarvis Landry and Odell before that, um, Deshaun Watson is the type of quarterback that's going to elevate who's there. You know what I mean? Um, In the same way that Russell Wilson is to the Broncos. Uh, And it's like, he's going to change the perception of those players this upcoming year, because they're just going to have more success with a better quarterback, you know? Uh, So it'll be interesting to get into the season and see how successful they can be year one. If he's even on the field, Deshaun Watson is depending on how that suspension works out and all that. But uh, anyway, so we don't want to spend too much time on the Browns as interesting as that topic is, because we could talk about that forever. Uh, A couple more big, um, big names in uh, free agency here. We have J.C. Jackson going to the Chargers, five years, 82 million and 40 guaranteed. That is a heck of a move. And on top of that, the Chargers went and got Khalil Mack for a second and a future sixth. So, you know, on the AFC West, there's plenty of moves to talk about there. The Chargers are certainly beefing up. The Chargers are beefing up. Uh, I love everything that the Chargers did. Every single thing that the Chargers did. Yeah. Um, you obviously because uh, over there, still in the same division, uh, the Raiders just traded for Devontae Adams. You know, yep. deal. And what what else can you say about the AFC West right now? The AFC West is just stacked. You have the Raiders beefed. You have the Chargers beefed up. Broncos beefed up. Um, and I mean, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They still got Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you talk about the Broncos adding Russell Wilson, just every team. It's an arms race, of many, as many of people have said in the last few days here. Uh, you know, everybody sees what the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are doing, and they say, well, it runs through them. We, we got to be better than that. And that's a hard, uh, hard ask. So, but all those teams are certainly trying for sure. All right. So up next, we have our underrated signings. And my first one I was looking at was uh, Foye Aluokun to the Jags, a uh, three-year deal, $45 million and $28 million guaranteed. Uh, that does work out to be the fourth most expensive inside linebacker contract at the moment in the NFL. I think that does. Obviously, a lot of people are saying it's an overpay, uh, and it does look that way on the surface. But I do think Alou Okun is a young, rising talent that is going to be good for the Jags. And I think in a couple of years, that price is not going to be as bad as it looks right now, especially if he turns out to be as good as he can be with his ceiling. Um, you know, And obviously, it's a big if, but a lot of people don't like that signing, and I thought it might turn out better. Yeah, and I, and I agree for sure. Um, and – you know, I, I really do think that the Jags are just in, like, you know, they're in the bad team mode where they have to overpay for guys sometimes. And I think yeah. that that's why the stigma that maybe it's an overpay. But I agree for sure. I think that 
super super underrated talent wise and yeah once once that level of play evens out a little bit it's almost going to be a a bargain for him if i'm being honest with you um i would i'm going to go ahead and say one of my underrated signings is probably going to have to be uh and i it's it's really crazy that it's an underrated signing but um marcus williams going to the ravens yes I, I think that's hugely underrated because the Ravens have had a solid secondary. And I think Marcus Williams is going to put them truly into the elite territory. And even more so, we still have a bunch of draft rumors that they might still be working on that secondary in Baltimore through the draft. And I think the Marcus Williams pick goes from, I mean, it is a lot of money, five years, 70 million and 37 uh, mil guaranteed. That's a lot of money, but this is a player stepping into his prime. You know what I mean? Like he's, I think he's just going to establish himself as the next great Baltimore safety. Like I just, I see it. I think it's going to be perfect. I love it. I love it. And I love that you brought it up uh, because I, I think that is a signing normally that you, you know, wouldn't say is underrated based on the player that we know Marcus Williams is and, the amount of years and in, in the money in, involved, but because of all of the gigantic, not just big, but gigantic names that have been swirling around in this free agency with Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, who didn't even go anywhere. You know, uh, I think Marcus Williams signing was definitely a, something that kind of flew under the radar. Uh, and I think you hit it spot on that uh, it's a, it's a great fit. Um, I think that he's young enough that it's very much worth investing and uh, he's going to grow and blossom there into a different player. You know, uh, I absolutely love that pick. And I agree with everything you said. Um, So for my second underrated signing, I'm actually going to go with my Denver Broncos and I'm going to mention Eric Tomlinson that came over from the Ravens. And he is a primarily blocking tight end. Um, but I think that's why a lot of people wrote it off as a kind of a nothing burger. And, you know, looking on the surface, you're like, oh, they signed an untalented tight end. But with Nathaniel Hackett coming in, a brand new head coach, he's going to focus a lot on the running game. And uh, you look at up there in Green Bay at what they do with Tanya and, and a lot of the other guys up there. They're very high on their blocking tight ends and uh, how they utilize them, and they're they're very creative. So, um, and I think Eric Tomlinson is a, a very good young piece for specifically that, and it was a good cheap deal. Um, and I think that was a a good underrated signing as well. All right, so for my second underrated signing, um, I have to go back to the team that you initially brought up, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And even though I do not agree with paying Christian Kirk that much money, I do love that they paid Zay Jones because I love me some Zay Jones. Zay Jones is a, he's he's one great underrated player that is still very young. And obviously he had his time with the Raiders. And every time I saw Zay Jones on the field for the Raiders, he was making plays. Sure hands, uh, great attitude, a guy that just wants to be great. And I think as the Jaguars are trying to establish a culture, that's exactly the type of guys you need. You need guys that want to go down there and want to get to work. And 
especially with Trevor Lawrence, you know, wanting to establish a new culture because obviously Urban Meyer, you know, fucked a bunch of shit up. So you got to have guys that are willing to come in and try to reestablish that culture. And I think Zay Jones is one of those, one of those guys. And I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to have a good time throwing the ball to him. Absolutely. I'm totally with you there. Uh, you know, you heard Derek Carr talk about him all year. And I actually, I think he was there last year as well is just like you mentioned his attitude and his will to win and will to work, you know, and put in that work. It, it almost kind of reminded me of uh, when the Browns initially signed Jarvis Landry, although Landry was a bigger name um, in the sense that he's that, like you mentioned, locker room guy, that's going to help establish a culture in a place that doesn't have that culture of winning. Um, and that attitude, you know, and I, so I think that is an underrated signing uh, for sure. And that, that's going to work out to be a good signing for them. Um, so yeah. to move on to our next big thing, our favorite story of the week. Now, for me, I love this one, but I don't think my co-host is going to love it as much as I did. Uh <laughs> Tom Brady decided to unretire and come back to the NFL, uh, citing un- unfinished business. How are we feeling about that? Um, so if Tom had came back and went like to another, another AFC East team and just decided to shit on me for more than he already has. <laughs> Yeah. Then I would be a bit more upset. But the fact that he, I mean, I don't think he should have, like, I lose a little bit of the, 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 I just get a little bit of Brett Favre feeling. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't think he should have retired in the first place, especially if you were just going to come back in two months. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I don't think if I was him, I don't think the losing in the, fashion that they did this last year i don't think that sits well for me especially when he literally brought them back within a chance to win the game you know so uh, a few things go you know right for the buccaneers and the buccaneers are in the super bowl you know so it's just one of those things that i'm glad he's back because i mean at this point i just want to i just want him to win 11 rings like just i want so many rings i just want him to win all of them so yeah, I mean, welcome back. Welcome back. No, I, and I, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, my path with him has been similar, but not the same because, you know, I'm not, or I wasn't in the same division as he was for so many years. Um, but the Broncos were always kind of enemies of the Patriots and vice versa, always hated him. And then something switched when he left New Orleans and wasn't under the grip of Bill Belichick anymore. And all of a sudden he just became way more likable to me. Um, And so I'm kind of excited about him coming back. You know, it's always a joy to watch the greatest of all time play football. And I totally agree that with his attitude and the way he looks at the game for him to leave after getting so close and once again, and doing everything in his power, um, to make a comeback and it just didn't work out that way. That just didn't, that wasn't gonna, the way he was going to go out. You know, he was always going to come back. There is no way, but uh, definitely a little bit of Brett Farvin going on, going back and forth. Maybe he'll end up on the Vikings. Or the Jets for one year. 
Or yeah, or the Jets for one year. I forgot about that. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take a little bit of Tom. Um, Zach Wilson for a future Bucks franchise uh, quarterback. Right, exactly. Um, so I guess my favorite story of the week, and it'll be a quick one because we already did touch on it. Um, I'm glad the Sean Watson thing is over. I'm yeah. glad he I'm glad and not even to say that in like a bad way, but there's been so much media coverage on it. There's been so much. I mean, literally since last year, the the talk is, where's he going to go? He doesn't want to play for Houston. Houston gave him this giant thing. And then the criminal thing comes out. So it's even, you know, even more up in the air and even more of a limbo thing. Now it's finally settled. He's got a new team. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there's still things that need to be settled in regards to Baker and, um, you know, what the Texans are going to do, uh, what the Browns are going to do as far as finishing out the roster. But I'm glad that, the Deshaun Watson thing is finally settled. He's finally out of Houston. Um, and yeah, I, I just, one, I love to see guys get the bag. I've always loved Deshaun Watson. Um, obviously with him not facing any criminal criminal charges, it's a bit easier to say I still like Deshaun Watson, but regardless of what he's done off the field or what he hasn't done off the field, um, when he gets, when he puts on the shoulder pads, he, dude's a baller, you know? So yeah. I'm excited to see him get his new start and I'm excited for Cleveland, dude. I really do feel like now they have, I mean, in my opinion, the second best young quarterback, you know, so he's, he's definitely in the top five overall of quarterbacks in the league. That's for sure. You know, and it's, I, I I'm totally with you. You know, I'm glad it kind of like uh, the Aaron Rodgers saga, there was just a fatigue around it because it lasted so long. There was so much media coverage on it, so much talking about it and nothing happening for so long. And finally it's resolved. We know what's going on to an extent. Um, And yeah, it's, you know, kind of, kind of a relief for that to just be over. And I'm excited for the future of the Browns, certainly as far as winning is concerned. Yeah, it's just been a long time since the Browns have actually – I mean, like, we talked about it when they, like, loaded up and with Baker, right? We were like, oh, no. like, And they went in and won a playoff game, you know? Yeah. So uh, now now they're going to be able to actually make noise because you're going to see some of these playoff matchups and you're going to be like, okay, well, the obvious weakness is that maybe Baker can't put up four touchdowns and 400 yards. Right. Uh, to keep to keep in that like well look what Josh Allen does what Patrick Mahomes does um, exactly Deshaun Deshaun can ball out Deshaun can ball out so I think it's actually the fine like the finale of like a true unveiling of a winning team for Cleveland so I'm excited for sure dude absolutely I'm with you all right so our next section I'm gonna let you take this one away. Perfect. Perfect. That means that we must be talking about my New York Jets. Um, All right. So obviously this is the best time of the year to be a Jets fan because we're in the off season Um, every single year (laughs) since I've been a Jets fan. This is the best time of the year and still holds the truth because we are making moves. My friend, we are making moves. Yes. Uh, First and foremost, um, I mean, do I have to say it? We have two brand new tight ends that are studs. Absolutely. We got, we got Jack Conklin coming from the Minnesota Vikings, uh, coming off a career year with the Minnesota Vikings. 
And we got CJ Uzama. Is that how you say his name? I think so. Uzama or Uzoma or something like I, that. Well, I love the dude, especially now that he's a New York Jet. I loved him as a Bengal. Um, and watching him get hurt and then still yeah. come out and play. Love that. Love the grittiness. Yep. Um, and also, like, the Jets haven't had, you know, good tight end since Dustin Keller left. So um, it's about time that we get two studs in here that want to get in, that want to get in and want to work. Because that's the first thing that these guys started talking about was, yo, it's about to be dirty. It's about to be gritty. It's about to be nasty. Because, yeah, these guys come to play. I mean, Con- uh, Conklin's coming off uh, his last year with Minnesota, 61 catches, 593 yards, three tuds. You know, obviously, you got uh, Kirk Cousins thrown to you. Um, and when you have Justin Jefferson, um, you're definitely going to get a bit less targets. And even more so, Conklin was um, – you know, the second tight end um, in their system uh, because they had um, uh, Kyle Rudolph for all those years. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, uh, CJ last year with the Bengals, 49 catches, 493 yards, five tuds, you know, and when you have that many pass catchers that the Bengals have, you're just, the the numbers are going to be a little bit shorter, but it's the quality catches that he's getting. Every time I saw a Bengals game, this guy is securing third down catches. He's securing touchdowns in the red zone. Absolutely. Big targets, big blockers, and guys that just want to come and play football. So I'm super excited for the new revamps tight end room um, for my New York Jets. Um, also, dude, like, let me just say, besides the tight ends, we got uh, Lankin Tomlinson, for, uh, big big guard coming from the 49ers yeah um and that's these are the moves that you'd like to see as a Jets fan and even more so I think that's a every free agent that we signed is for the right price we didn't overpay anybody like the Jets usually have to do to get good guys we usually have to overpay guys to come here now with the way uh Joe Douglas is handling things Yo, if you don't want to come here and be a New York Jet for the price that I think you could come here and be a New York Jet, we just don't need you. Um, and, I, and I love that. I love that. I love all, all, all the free agents so far. Um, and even more so, this helps us because now we don't have to invest high draft picks into tight ends. We don't, I mean, we still can invest a high draft pick into the offensive line. I'd be okay with that. Um, but, I mean, even just the re-signings, you know, Bringing back Flacco um, just to give uh, Zach Wilson kind of that leader. You know, he's he, he was on the roster last year with them. Um, so just to give somebody for Zach Wilson to lean back on and ask questions. Love that Flacco's back. He was a elite quarterback back in the day, apparently. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. Love bringing back Tevin Coleman because when Tevin Coleman was on the field for the Jets, he had a nice little spark. Um, and – Love, absolutely love. One of my favorite things that we've done so far is bringing back Braxton Berrios because he is a little, uh, he's a little spark plug, dude. Like he's an offensive weapon. You just put him out there and boy plays football. And we were able to, he's super underrated. Uh, I mean, he did get that uh, Pro Bowl nod, um, kick returner. So I love that. Um, But we were able to bring him back on a contract that was much cheaper than I thought we were going to be able to. 
And that's what that's the thing that I love. I thought Braxton Berrios was going to get a three-year deal for 15 to 18 mil from the Jets. And we brought him back. I think it's a two-year deal. Uh, $12 million total, $6 million guaranteed. That's a you really know? good value. That's yeah. a really good value for a Pro Bowl kick returner that adds uh, – adds promising snaps on the offensive side. Yeah. You know? And I, I think he's certainly going to blossom, you know, in the next year or so, uh, especially with Zach Wilson. And uh, honestly, you know, CJ Uzama in particular, um, I think was outside of Russell Wilson, obviously maybe my favorite signing of all the free agency for any team. Um, because I totally agree with what you said with him on the Bengals. He was a huge part of, of uh, how dominant that offense was, even though maybe his stats didn't necessarily jump out at you. Uh, if you watched those games, you saw how important he was to how uh, their offense functioned. And, you know, not that it crippled them when he got injured, uh, but you could see the impact that he uh, or wasn't making when he wasn't on the field, you know? And so I think that that adding that to uh, a young Jets team that needs some leadership uh, somebody who just went through some playoff games has a little bit of experience with that. Um, and then he's going to be a safety net for Zach Wilson, uh, you know, uh, along with aside the other tight end you guys just signed and Braxton Berrios, like you said, uh, super underrated and he's only going to get better. And to your point, talking about uh, the signings you guys have been making, I think one of the easiest ways for a bad team to stay bad is giving out those big contracts to players that are looking for the money. Uh, not only just because it's expensive and it messes with your cap situation, but also because generally speaking, those guys that are looking for the maximum amount of money possible, they don't care about what team they're going to. They don't care about team building or trying to win. Those aren't players that are going to help you build a winning culture, obviously, you know? And so uh, holding out for those players that want to be a jet and want to commit to what that's going to be and uh, make the jets better every day. That that's huge. And I love that for the jets. And I think you guys are only getting better. Yeah. And I agree. And I love the approach because in a lot of jets off seasons, there's times where I felt like, you know, we're kind of rushing things a little bit where we know we're a bad team, but they want to kind of, put these pieces together and suddenly make us some sort of contender. I don't really think that's what's happening in this Joe Douglas era. I think we're finally really putting the pieces around. I mean, cause they're, they're leaning into Zach Wilson and yeah. that's what you have to do nowadays is if you think you got a guy, which I think we got a guy um, you lean into him. That's what the, that's what the chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, you know, yep. when they played the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl and they couldn't stop a lick with that offensive line, what did they do? They went out and traded everything they could got Orlando Brown from the Ravens. Like they did yeah. everything they could to show up that offensive line. That's what the Bengals, you know, will end up doing. And that's what they did when they signed Alex Kappa, you yep. know, they're leaning into their franchise, their franchise quarterback. And, when you lean into your franchise quarterback, one, I think you're showing that everyone believes in you. And I think that Zach Wilson is perfectly suited for New York. The New York media, I think it's perfect for him. 
because he's a quiet reserve kid that is not about the flash dude is just about the ball you know so yeah that's that's exactly what zach wilson needs is more weapons getting him more comfortable getting him these um big tight ends that he can target getting him these big um getting him these big offensive linemen that he can target or that they can block for him and yeah like zach's been training with um guys in the off season, he's flying out, he's going different places, um, you know, to build that relationship and build that rapport with his teammates. And that's what you love to see. You know, you, you really, really do love to see that, especially from a young quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Zach Wilson and that entire organization has a really bright future. And, um, you know, looking back on the Sam Darnold area era, and you can say that with, uh, a few different quarterbacks or you look at the Browns and those teams that were just searching for somebody, you know, a lot of times you see potential talents get wasted because, well, yeah, you landed this guy that could be something, uh, but you didn't build him or, or build around him the way that he needed. And you didn't give him the resources that he needed to uh, be the best player that he could be. And so it didn't work out, uh, you know, and it's like, I, I agree with you that, uh, I get the opposite feeling with this Joe Douglas area era with the New York Jets that uh, Zach Wilson is really being prioritized and uh, taken care of. And I think it's going to work out for you guys. Exactly. And then just to touch on some of the other guys we uh, we signed in this uh, crazy free agency period, uh, Jacob Martin coming from the Texans. Love it. Lo- uh, we needed a, uh, a nice pass rusher. He's young. Uh, I think he's looking to prove himself. Um, you know, I think he only had like four and a half sacks last year, but in a situational uh, role with the Jets, because I think that's what he was doing down in Houston as well, was kind of situa- situational pass rushing role. Um, we got Carl Lawson. We got Quinn Williams. Uh, we got uh, John Franklin Myers. You know, we're, we have guys that can kind of take some of that pressure off of him, hopefully, especially with Carl Lawson coming back. Yeah. Um that can give him some of those one-on-one situations that I think is going to turn him from a four and a half sack guy to an eight and a half, nine and a half sack guy. And you don't even know about him. You just don't even, you just out there balling out. Um, we got Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed, um, Jordan Whitehead, the safety coming from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, DJ Reed, uh, corner coming from the Seattle Seahawks. Um, this is exactly what we needed for our secondary because our secondary is full of young hungry lions and we needed some veteran leadership from guys that are still young themselves but have come from solid locker rooms now i don't know about seattle's locker room entirely but russell wilson was there bobby wagner was there there's a lot of good leadership that dj reed just got done playing with yeah. And obviously Jordan Whitehead, uh, yeah, he was playing with Tom Brady. I think he knows something. I think Tom knows a little bit something about a winning culture. And, <laughs> you know, Jordan Whitehead's got that ring, you know, so he's got yeah. that championship experience, that, cha- that championship mentality. He knows how it feels to be a part of a championship team. And so he, he's going to know how to bring that into the Jets organization. And that's that's exactly what Bryce Hall needed. That's exactly what uh, Michael Carter needed. Uh, just all of our nice young uh, corners and that I, I just think it was the most perfect, 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 perfect move for our secondary altogether. 
Um, and then I would really say besides that, I mean, going forward, I think the Jets definitely need to figure out the wide receiver position. Um, and I think that's going to be through the draft. Um, we possibly need a nice rotation running back, you know, just to kind of switch things up between because Col- Coleman's nice, but he's not necessarily super consistent. Um, right. Well, and he's a smaller guy too. So you probably don't want to overwork him either. Right. And I mean, we got Michael Carter, um, the running back, not the cornerback. Cause we've got two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's a baller. He's a baller. He's, he, he did have that injury last year. They kind of limited him a little bit, but I mean, he was backing up Javante Williams, which as you know, being a Broncos fan, Javante is the man. So whatever they yeah. are doing in that North Carolina running back room, they did, yeah. they, they were doing some things for sure. Yeah. They're so, doing it right. <laughs> Get a little rotation running back um, to help Mike out. Um, we definitely need to see what's up with Mackay Beckton. And I'm not one of these Jets fans that's going to sit here and, like, bag Mackay Beckton because he's a big dude. He got hurt. He wasn't able to work out. He gained weight. That's just literally how the human body works. Um, but I think there was there, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? So if there is something going on with Makai, we just need to get it figured out because we're a better football team with him on there. Um, And especially before the draft, because if we need to do something with him um, or we aren't going to be truly relying on him, then we need to figure that out as well. Um, Obviously we need to nail this upcoming draft for sure, because otherwise um, it's going to be another long year, but I feel like we were able to nail the this last draft. This was the best draft class that I can remember as a Jets fan, period. Like everyone, not only I felt like contributed, but everyone learned everyone. It's not like, I mean, we almost beat the Buccaneers, you know, like, yeah, we were literally a play away from being Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I think at that time we had three wins to our credit, like, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that if we're able to knock out this draft class, this upcoming draft and get anyone that can contribute, I think, uh, I think it might be, I think it might be trouble for the AFC East for sure. I think the Jets are going to be ready to make some noise here in the next couple of years. I totally agree with you. Yeah. That's an, a young upcoming roster and they're making the right moves and uh, they kind of remind me, you know, outside of having uh, a more talented quarterback than, uh, we had during any point in that time. They remind me of the Broncos of the last few years where uh, there was a lot of young talent uh, and a lot of young pieces that were kind of finding their place and uh, learning how to win. Um, and it, those are some rough years for sure. You know, a lot of losing and a lot of heartbreak. Um, but uh, you guys are on the right path and kind of seeing how that's blossoming for my Broncos now, you know, obviously different situation, having a hall of fame quarterback kind of just plopped into our laps, but you guys have someone to build around. Yeah. For the second time. Yeah. Um, But you guys have somebody to build around and uh, somebody who's going to lead you there and you're taking the right path. And it's really exciting time to be a Jets fan. I bet for sure. Yeah. I'm just, I'm hoping that uh, we get a little bit of the same excitement that I get right now during the season. Cause like I said, the off season is the best time to be a Jets fan. The best time. Yeah. Yeah. And as a Broncos fan, we've definitely felt that the last few years. Um, But as a decent segue, 
uh, I guess we can start talking about my Denver Broncos here. And um, I'm trying to think of really if there was anything that happened for us during free agency. I'm just not really sure. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Russell Wilson got traded to us. Uh, So as you just said, for the second time, or I guess really the third time, if you think about John Elway. uh, I was going to say the same thing. Like he did, (laughs) John did organize that a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we we have just gotten a uh, potential Hall of Fame quarterback kind of just given to us. Um, We did trade away two first-round picks, two seconds, a fifth, and then Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris to the Seahawks uh, in return for Russell Wilson. And um, I would take that, that trade any day of the week. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, I, I a little bit surprised by the trade package that we got or that we had to give up. Um, I kind of suspected that Locke would be part of that, especially with them not having any sort of alternative, uh, you know, at that point in time for a quarterback. Um, so Locke is a good, still has some upside to him. Sure. And then Fanton Harris, you know, when you look at the Denver Broncos roster, I mean, I feel like you can ask just about anybody and you say, if you can pick two, two players out of their whole roster that you want, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 90% of people would not say the names Noah Fant and Shelby Harris. Uh, I, I think Noah Fant is definitely super talented you know, he has some things in his game that he could work on to be a more complete tight end. Um, and I think he's going to take a huge step forward. Um, oh, I was going to say a huge step forward having quarterback, but he doesn't have a quarterback anymore because he still has Drew Locke. Never mind. So, same you know, yeah. <laughs> same guy, unless they get a uh, Baker Mayfield potentially. But um, yeah, he's, he's a decent uh, player and he could be really good. Um, but when you look at Patrick Sertan and you look at Jerry Judy, like I'm just surprised. And then Shelby Harris was the other one given up in that trade. You know, I love Shelby Harris. He's a superb person. Um, he's a great locker room presence, which really I think is what, why they wanted him. Um, and he's a, he's a big leader. Uh, he's one of those culture establishing guys. Um, but you know, if I was the one making a trade and I had to give up Russell Wilson, uh, those just would not have been the players I would have asked for. <laughs> but as a Broncos fan, I'll take it because I feel like we almost got a value, uh, which says, or which is kind of crazy to say, giving up as much as we did. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think you guys won the trade. I know, like, the picks are a lot, but, like, it is Russell Wilson. You knew you were going to have to give up some picks. As yeah. far as the players go, this is the best case scenario. I think yeah. Drew Locke and Shelby Harris, and no disrespect to either of those guys, because um, I was a big Drew Locke guy coming out of college. Um, but yeah, like you, I, those aren't even, I don't even think about that. Like yeah. those two guys, I'm not even worried about it. Like send those guys to anyone at any time and I'd be okay. Right. Um, the fact that you got Russell Wilson. To me, this trade is the picks and Noah Fant. And yeah. I'm, I thought for sure, and I know I mentioned this to you um, off the air, I thought for sure Jerry Judy was gone. And oh, that was the thing. 
that was the thing that I thought would be the biggest problem is because now it's like, we just got Jerry Judy and we haven't even seen him scratch the surface of what he can do. And he's gone. So the fact that he's here with Russ, I mean, there's just, and then even more so uh, Albert O baby, like now he gets the opportunity to step up and become that primary tight end. And I thought he did. I'm not going to say he did just as good as no offense. Cause I think no offense, a little bit more athletic, um, But, I mean, he, you know, Noah was out a few games and Albert O, you know, was able to knock it out of the park. So, absolutely, I don't think, I don't think Broncos, uh, Broncos country is going to be missing those three players as much as they're going to be loving Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I think it's a big win, a big win for uh, the Broncos. That's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, I totally agree about Alberto. I, I do think he's uh, definitely going to show out with Russell Wilson. He's definitely underrated for what he can do. And I actually feel like in terms of being in a uh, more complete tight end, he's got a better handle on the blocking side of things that Fant, or than uh, Fant ever did, um, which is kind of ironic because Fant came out of Iowa, which is known for being a blocking tight end uh program but you know i'm excited for the future for sure um i think he all of those guys including jerry judy are going to take huge huge steps forward um with russell wilson thrown to him just like you saw with peyton manning and uh demarius thomas rest in peace you know all those guys um when Peyton Manning came over to the Broncos and just took a, a team that granted did make the playoffs with Tim Tebow of all people. Uh, but everybody, every single player on that roster took a huge step forward when, uh, you know, this magical God quarterback comes raining down from the sky as a, a gift to them. So, you know, we'll take it. Um, Can I just say one thing about yeah. the rust thing? And not not to rain on anyone's parade. So the thing that I'm worried about with Russ is, and not like like I said, not to rain on anyone's parade because I'm excited too. Because um, I live in the city, and it's nice to see the city excited again. But are we going to see a similar drop off in the second half of the season that we have the last couple of years in Seattle, or is that just a Seattle thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that's really interesting. And it's been something that since he got traded, I've kind of been trying to delve into, um, you know, from an outsider's perspective, there's only so much you can glean. And uh, I think as a Broncos fan, I probably have a little bit of bias trying to, uh, you know, hope that Russell Wilson is not the problem. But um, I think that there was a lot of conflict in Seattle regarding uh, or between like Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll regarding uh, how they wanted the, the game to be operated um, in terms of like play calling. And uh, you know, you heard let Russ cook all the time. And right. I, I think really what that was referring to was um, Pete Carroll has a very specific type of uh, scheme that he goes to in play calling where he wants to run the ball in your face, break you down and then hit you over the top. Uh, when you're expecting the run. Uh, and, you know, Russ does have uh, his tools are, uh, you know, centered towards that style of play in a sense that he has an amazing deep ball. Um, and then he can make things happen when the play breaks down. And uh, that's especially where you get a lot of those big chunk plays. Uh, but I think what that ended up resulting in was a lot of 
the offense not being as efficient as it could be, um, you know, and then it ended up being a situation where Russell Wilson would always have to come back uh, from a deficit because the offense just couldn't get it going beforehand. Um, And so that's where he just kind of, you know, did his magic and won them games and everything. I mean, I think over the course of a season, when you're like playing the same style and not really changing a whole lot of things up, uh, the defense that you face starts to kind of key into a lot of those common things and common strategies that that, uh, the play calling is putting forth. And it gets a lot harder to uh, have success. Um, So that that's kind of my inkling as to part of why maybe Russ wanted out in the first place is like the play calling never let him do him, you know, and actually um, really play to his strengths and really kind of like, because you, you always heard about Peyton Manning, for instance, uh, coming up to the line and he was essentially the offensive coordinator out there just picking plays based off what he saw on the defense. And he would, switch to any number of plays at the line, you know? Um, and I do think Russell Wilson has like the acumen to pull something like that off. But when there's offensive limitations in the form of Pete Carroll's scheme and him being the play caller and saying, no, we're going to do it this way because I have a track record of winning football this way. And then Russ is like, well, number one, I got you that track record in the NFL. And number two, like, I can do a lot more than this and I'm frustrated that you won't let me, you know, and that that's kind of, again, there's only so much that you can say being an outsider and I could be totally wrong, but that's what I got from watching tape of the Seahawks, uh, listening to some of, uh, how they talk and, um, how they, how they've treated this situation is it, that seems like where a lot of the, uh, discourse has been in the conflict. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I definitely do think that P. Carroll definitely had something to do with, you know, not, and you could just visibly tell the frustration with Russell Wilson. Like you yeah. could see his body language last year in Seattle. Um, and I mean, like dude came back and was like, I love seeing that video of him doing his pre-workouts with his injured hand and he doesn't even have a ball and he's just like going through it. Like he's getting ready for a game. I love that. Shit. Yeah. Love, yeah. That. love that. Love that. Love that. Yeah, no. And so to touch on some of the other signings uh, that the Broncos made, uh, in addition to Russell Wilson, uh, first up, we have DJ Jones, three years, $30 million with 20 of that being guaranteed coming over from the chart or I'm sorry, not the chargers, the 49ers. Um, He's a big old defensive tackle, nose tackle. Um, He is one of the best run stoppers in the league. And I'm super excited about that move. Uh, And he even mentioned Russell Wilson. And uh, Russell Wilson is already doing that work, you know, uh, trying to get guys here and calling them and saying like, oh, hey, come to the Broncos. I love that. I love that so much. Um, Next up, we have one that I did want to talk about is uh, Randy Gregory. So this was a really interesting situation. Um, He signed for five years, $70 million and 28 of that being guaranteed. Uh, And I believe the all of that 28 or at least most of it is in like the first two years. Um, so given his past and the suspensions that he's faced in the past, I think that that was kind of a, a move there to say like, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, we're not going to pay him a full 570. Um, 
and cut him after two years or whatever. Um, and right. at first, when I saw that move, I was kind of iffy because I didn't know a lot about him and his his past and his history and all that. Um, but learning more about him and learning more about how uh, he treats that or his past and his situation, it's really interesting to hear him talk. And it sounds like he's done a lot of uh, self-reflection and, and change and uh, that hopefully that won't be an issue for the Broncos. Um, and it sounds like he's in a lot better place for himself. Um, but as far as his contract was concerned, kind of related to the uh, his history and, and all that stuff, the reason why he came to the Broncos and not the Cowboys returning to the Cowboys as was initially reported um, was because of some contract language that the Cowboys kind of uh, put in there at the last second. Uh, and from my understanding, basically – were he to be fined, uh, I don't know if it was for anything or for specifically uh, substance abuse policy, but were he to be fined, uh, then the Cowboys could choose to revoke his salary. Um, and so they looked at that, Randy Gregory and his lawyer, and they were like, yeah, no thanks. And they went over to the Broncos. Um, it, it was kind of a stunner for everybody because everybody thought he was going to be a Cowboy again. Um, and so kind of an interesting situation there. The Cowboys side of it, they said that that's in like every Cowboys contract uh, other than, mm. I guess, Dak, Pros or Dak uh, Prescott. But, you know, I, you would think if they really wanted the to make Dak sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course. I mean, he's the quarterback. They could do whatever they want. True. True. <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess you would, you would think given his history and given, it sounds like the Cowboys have been mostly really good to him as an organization and helping his uh, progress growing from that. And, um, but you know, you would think that they would be a little more sensitive to uh, maybe that that would stand out to him and say like, well, no, you know, I don't really want that in my contract, but it lost them. Randy Gregory, and he's now a Denver Bronco. He's wearing the number five, I saw, which is interesting. Yeah, I'm still – so first, just to touch on it, I'm still not a fan of the number thing. I just want yeah. I just want my old football back, but I'm getting yeah. used to it. Uh, secondly, real quick on Randy Gregory, uh, super boom or bust, dude. Super boom mm -hmm. or bust. It's either going to be amazing and you guys are going to get elite talent because – I remember when the Cowboys took him, I think he dropped into the second or the third round because of uh, his um, his past issues at Nebraska. But I did watch the Cowboys, like, stick with this guy, and they put a lot of work into him becoming a man. Um, and so I'm hoping that he sticks with it, comes to Denver, and knocks it out for you guys. Um, because, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of money. And the Broncos did it the right way, you know. Give him that guaranteed money right away. That way, if he stops uh, stops in the last couple of years of his contract playing as well, you guys can let him go. Or if he has issues, you guys can let him go without too much of a cap problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I, I guess I really didn't even touch on a lot of the football aspect of it with him, um, you know, because there's just so much to talk about otherwise. But uh, he he's definitely – he's got a lot of upside. Um, and he's one of those guys that I, I believe he's either 28 or 29 years old now. Um, mm. And when you look at that on the surface, you're like, eesh, kind of getting up there in age. Uh, but then you look at the amount of snaps that uh, in part because of uh, some of his suspensions, but then just dealing with some injuries along the way, 
he really hasn't played a whole lot in his career. You know what I mean? So um, like you said, this could either be boom or bust in that he's this talent that has kind of not really been uh, all the way utilized and uh, still has a lot of tread on the tires or he flames out and doesn't give the production that we're hoping because like when you look at that contract, it's a projection of what it could be. It's not paying mm-hmm. for what he has shown that he is as right. in terms of stats and everything, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so that's, that's definitely an interesting signing. Uh, a couple more here, uh, Calvin Anderson and Josie Jewell, two players we re-signed, um, so Calvin Anderson is a swing tackle, um, and he is actually going to part of his, um, deal was apparently that, uh, in order to return to the Broncos for a little bit less money than he would have gotten for other teams, he wanted a chance to compete for the starting right tackle job, which he's been our swing tackle for the last couple of years, super solid. Uh, and, and we really, uh, have, he's been a huge uh, contributor for the last couple of years, um, but kind of unsure if he's going to be one of those starter guys, uh, but he's going to get an opportunity for us. And I, I'm glad for him. He's a good person, um, good player, you know, excited for that. And then Josie Jewell, uh, I believe he was drafted in either 2018 or 2019 from uh, Iowa. And he's an inside linebacker, uh, super, you know, uh, hardworking kind of lunch pail guy. Um and gets a lot of tackles, really shoves his nose in there. And he has gotten a lot better over his uh, years in the league and really kind of shined bright for uh, like a few games this uh, last season here before he uh, tore his pectoral and was out the rest of it. But kind of excited that we re-signed him because I thought that he was just finally coming to, into his own and he's going to do well for us next year. Um, so to move on to uh, some of the underrated departures, I felt like, um, my first one, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier with the Russell Wilson trade, uh, Shelby Harris. He has been one of those players with the Broncos in our bad last five, six years. You think about the quarterback carousel and certain Trevor Simeon and Joe Flacco and Case Keenum and a number of people. Um, hmm. When Shelby has been here, no, without fail, every single step that he's been on the field, you know, even when everybody else was kind of phoning it in, you think about week 17, you're already uh, eliminated from the playoffs. There's nothing to play for. He is one of those players that's always out there giving it 100% and setting the example uh, for a winning culture. Um, so that's that's one of those guys I'm sad to see leave, but I'm excited to uh, uh, see what he can do with the rest of his career. Um, and then Malik Reed, somebody that we don't actually know if he's left yet, um, the Broncos actually gave him a first right of refusal tender a couple of days ago. Um, so he's still technically out on the market, um, but the Broncos are going to get first right of refusal for anybody that does want to uh, try and sign him. And I, I hope he's a piece that we keep. Uh, we did sign Randy G- Gregory and we have Chubb on that other side. And then Jonathan Cooper uh, is another young edge for us. Uh, and so we got three solid guys, but keeping Malik Reed, there's so many possibilities switching out those four and keeping everybody fresh throughout the entire game. I think that would be huge if we could keep him and uh, a little bit, you know, uh, kind of bitter if he, he did leave. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Shaquille Barrett situation uh, a few right. years back when uh, he left and went to the Buccaneers and you look at him, he got a big old contract. Um, I did 
if he didn't lead the league in sacks one year, he was like top three. Um, and that's the talent he had, but it was a situation where the Broncos decided not to pay for him. Cause at the time they had Von Miller on one side and uh, were committing to Shane Ray, who ended up busting on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. And so we let him walk and uh, one of those moves you probably regret, um, you know, and I, I don't think Malik Reed is quite as talented, but it kind of gives me that same feeling of uh, somebody that can get a bigger role somewhere else if we don't keep him around. So, and then uh, Kareem Jackson and Melvin Gordon, a um, couple guys that aren't back could technically be back, but doesn't look likely. And two contributors from last year, two starters, uh, Melvin Gordon, despite Javante Williams getting a, a lot of those carries and really showing out. Um, Melvin Gordon was a huge part of that two headed monster and Javante Williams. I think you wouldn't want to, uh, you know, overexpend him anyways. I think he's one of those runners that you really want to be fresh at all times when he's on the field and having uh, a backfield partner in Melvin Gordon um, or that level uh, was very nice, but there was also, you know, some downsides. Uh, When you think of Melvin Gordon, I think a lot of people instantly think of the critical fumbles, um, especially in the chiefs game last year, Total mm-hmm. momentum changing. Yeah. Total momentum changing uh, fumbles at the worst possible times. And it's, you know, it's not like he's doing it on purpose, but it's one of those things you got to factor in with him. So it's like, there's positives to him not being here anymore. But I do think that uh, unless we get some sort of um, or sign somebody or draft somebody uh, that's going to have even relatively similar impact to him in the running game, uh, even despite the fumbles that he had, um, our, our running game might even take a step back this upcoming year. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting to see, see for sure. Um, and then for the last section in uh, this little Broncos uh, part here, I wanted to talk about uh, my favorite game from watching last season, even though, you know, it was not a successful year as usual for the last half decade. Um, but it was a successful game where, we beat the absolute breaks off the Cowboys uh, and just, just destroyed them. I think the, the final score was like 31, 19. Um, and we came out and the, um, my favorite part of that game was oh, that's the, when the first Cowboys were undefeated, right? Yep. They were undefeated and we came out of nowhere. I mean, like that was when we had uh, fallen. Well, we had like that pretender stage where we were three and zero and beat just wow. awful teams. And then right, right. ended up uh, coming into that game like four and four. And so everybody was like, yeah, they're bad. <laughs> and then we just right. destroyed the Cowboys. Um, and uh, th- my favorite part of that game was the very first drive. Broncos kick off, Cowboys take it. Um, and they get a good return like past the 50. And uh, they get to a fourth and one. And Justin Simmons comes up and stuffs Ezekiel Elliott behind the line of scrimmage and totally just shifts the momentum of that game, um, which had already, you know, with that big return, you're, you're like, ah, oh, Cowboys are going to do it again. They're just going to destroy them. And then that was the first play that kind of um, set the dominoes forward for the Broncos uh, to have a huge day. Um, and I think that that was also the uh, either first or second game after Von Miller had been traded. Um, And so it was kind of a a coming out party for Justin Simmons as a leader on that team. 
um, because there was a lot of there was a void to fill after Von Miller had left. And uh, you think about the presence, you know, that he had in that locker room being one of the only Super Bowl winners left other than our kicker, Brandon McManus, um, everybody looking up to him. And then this was Justin Simmons saying, this is my team now, you know, making those big plays, those momentum shifting plays and getting all of his guys riled up, you know, to say, heck yeah, let's go win this game, you know? Um, And then Javante had a huge game, 17 carries for 111 yards. Uh, He had like that uh, NFL network weekly segment, the angry runs. Uh, he got on that for that. And then uh, Teddy, for once, had <laughs> a good game, uh, 19 to 28 and 249 with a touchdown. You know, didn't make mistakes and and just let it happen. And that's that's really when Teddy just uh, played kind of neutral and let the talent take itself there. Um, we were able to do some fun things last year. And I'm thankful to Teddy for uh, – you know, being on the Broncos and given the effort that he gave, I'm excited for him. He got signed by the uh, Miami Dolphins for, I believe it was a one-year, $7 million deal to be two as backup. So Absolutely. Shout out Teddy Bridgewater. Everywhere that guy goes, uh, good things happen. When he was a Jet, good things happen. Goes Comes down, becomes a Bronco, good things happen. Uh, and, yeah, also shout out for him getting uh, the opportunity to go down there and back up to a And, I mean – Depending on how good Tua plays, Teddy could be Teddy could be in a role trying to take the starting job down there in Miami too. It could happen. It really could happen. I'm interested to see what happens down there with Mike McDaniel's and their new head coach. And um, you know, they've got an interesting situation down there and uh, still a talented roster, though they lost some pieces. Um so yeah, that's that's definitely a team to watch. And uh, Teddy is, you know, Teddy is a floor raiser as a player. Uh, I think it's easy to criticize his play, um, but when you look at him as a person and what he brings to a locker room and an organization, um, I think that there's, if you go into Den- the Denver Broncos headquarters and ask every single player that was there last year, they would tell you that they uh, grew and took positives from Teddy Bridgewater being a part of their locker room. You know, And like you said, that's kind of part of what follows him is he's just a good dude and good things happen when he's around you, you know? Um, so excited for him for sure. And uh, yeah, that Broncos Cowboys game was one of the only fun games as a Broncos fan last year. Uh, it was fun to kind of reflect on the last season when, you know, us not having a top tier quarterback and now we're going to go into the next season with Russell Wilson. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and so for our last segment today, we're going to start talking about uh, some of the things happening over in the NBA um, to kind of introduce, since this is our first episode, uh, being in Denver, uh, being a Broncos fan, I'm naturally a Nuggets fan. Um, I like the Sixers also. I grew up watching uh, Allen Iverson and then it came over the Nuggets. So, you know, that kind of cemented that for me, but um I'm a Nuggets fan. Enrique is a Lakers fan. We'll mostly probably just talk about those two teams other than maybe some big stuff going on um, throughout the league. Uh, But those are really the teams that we focus on. And to start off today, I'll probably talk about some Nuggets stuff here. Uh, Bones Highland, my favorite player in the league right now. I'm going to tell you that even over Jokic, he's just infectious. Um, If you haven't heard about this guy, he's a rookie. 
he is the most positive, like happy go lucky dude. I think you'll ever see. Um, and he just lights up a room when he walks into it, you know what I mean? Um, and he had a, uh, he's had a couple of good breakout games, um, throughout this first season of his, and he was a rising star, uh, over the all-star break, which was very cool to see, but he faced, uh, uh, well, fair. Um, but he, uh, so the Nuggets went, uh, over to Philadelphia and faced the 76ers earlier this week. And, uh, Bones Highland had 21 points, four rebounds and two assists on seven of 14 shooting, uh, four of nine from three and then three of five, uh, from free throw, which, you know, not amazing stats, but the situation and the way that he got those points was really, uh, interesting and impactful. Um, he in 2018 was actually victim to a house fire, um, that ended up taking the lives of his grandma and his cousin, I believe it was. And he had to, uh, jump out a window from the second story to, uh, escape that apartment, um, and was told he would never play basketball again. Um, and he, uh, lived in Wilmington, Delaware, and a lot of those fans, you know, fairly close to Philadelphia, um, they came over and were in the crowd to watch him play against the 76ers. Uh, and he put up 21 points and all that. Um, and the firefighters specifically that came and helped him gave him this like custom jacket. And I thought that was such a, a cool uh, story uh, to hear about uh, not only him overcoming, you know, awful situation like that, um, but to see the success that he's starting to have in the league and some of those breakout legs or breakout games, uh, rather, um, really cool to see. And, uh, a quote from here or from him here, kind of regarding it. Uh, every time I check into the game, I do a cross across my chest just to be thankful that I'm still in this position just to play basketball because doctors told me four years ago, I'd never play basketball again. So very inspiring to see a super cool story for sure. Um, and then, uh, one more thing of Nuggets news here. Uh, everybody talks about the Nuggets not being necessarily, you know, a real contender because of their injury circumstances with MPJ and Jamal Murray being out uh, for the majority of this season. Um, however, things are starting to heat up in that area. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Jamal Murray earlier this week got sent down to the Grand Rapids Gold, uh, which is the, M- or the uh, Nuggets G league team, uh, to practice for a couple of days. And he is progressing on his, uh, knee, uh, recovery and MPJ could even return within a week is, uh, by some reports. Um, so things are heating up for the nuggets. And I think when you look at how Jokic has carried that team throughout this season, I think we're like a five or six seed right now. Um, and then you think about Jamal Murray and MPJ getting back it, uh, I think it makes Nuggets fans salivate just a little bit coming up for these playoffs. Uh, but uh, that's enough of the Nuggets for now. How about we talk about a little bit of the Lakers? Uh, absolutely. So just to tie back to Bones, uh, that story uh, about the fire, I did not know about that in the least bit whatsoever. Um, that's that's a crazy, amazing story. And that's super cool that they still uh, show him the love that they show him, even though they're playing against the hometown 76ers. Yeah. Um, but all right. So unfortunately, uh, 
the lake show is not doing too great and that's pretty that's pretty noticeable right um first and foremost we're the ninth seed right now our record's 30 and 40 um the west is tough the west is tough the west is really really tough right now you have obviously like you said the nuggets falling out uh you have the clippers ball it seems like every time we play the clippers they just they're embarrassing us right now which i mean if we lost all of our games all of our games but we only beat the clippers i'd be okay with that <laughs> because that's that's like it's it just to go back to the nfl if we lost all of our games, so the Jets beat the Patriots two times a year, I'd be okay with that. Because yeah. when when you lose to your rival that way, it's it's demoralizing. It truly is. Yeah. And the thing that we see all too often is it falls back on LeBron to do it all. And at this stage in his career, He's just a bit too old to really be putting on his shoulders like that. I was hoping to see a lot more Anthony Davis, obviously. Um, And to say that Anthony Davis is – his health has got to be first and foremost because um, it just seems like every time he's able to get back on the court, uh, he has another setback, something gets re-injured, something gets hurt again. Um, So for him to be able to get his health – I guess prioritize the South so that way he can have a long career in the NBA. That's definitely something that I'm hoping he's able to do. Um, And I mean, we kind of knew that this might be the case with this roster, the way it was built because it is older guys. Um, And then obviously the biggest thing is that, you know, Russ just hasn't, hasn't fit as nice as we thought he was going to. Um, And I'm not necessarily sure. I think there's lots of factors that go into that. But, I mean, if I'm being honest with you, I, I think Russ plays a little bit um, a little bit emotional. And I think he's unconfident right now. I think he's really unconfident. I, I, I've heard him make comments about, like, outside stuff, like what fans are talking about. And I've heard him make a few comments about stuff like that um, in previous years. But I think this is really the first year that I've ever really – like most of the stories that I hear about Russell Westbrook is that he's talking about stuff that, you know, why the fans are criticizing him so much. And I think it, I think at this point in his career, obviously, you know, father time catches up to you. I think he's just starting to kind of lose himself in his head a little bit. And I think that's really, and I think in uh, the NBA, I think uh, the mental aspect is, um, is, is super important because, you know, at any time when Russ decides to turn it on and he's feeling himself, he's unstoppable. But when he's not able to to fill himself, he's not able to do the things that he believes he's able to do. I think I think that's just kind of what you're getting. Um, and so ultimately, I would love to see what next year brings. Um, but I don't I don't necessarily know. Because if I'm being honest with you, I think LeBron is kind of in a. Uh, I think I think LeBron's okay if he never wins another ring. I think he wants to win another ring, but I think right. he understands it. He's getting towards the end of his career, and I think he's just waiting for Bronny to come so that way he can go play with his son. Which, yo, that man's the goat. That man is the king for a reason. If he decides he doesn't care about basketball anymore and he just wants to play for his son, 
then cool. I'll watch him play basketball until he's ready to be done. And even if he's only, you know, even if it's just like him and Brownie are playing for, you know, the Washington Wizards, like, yo, I'm good with it. It doesn't even matter at that point. Um, So seeing how the Lakers are relatively unfortunate, um, I mean, other big stuff in the NBA, um, Warriors killing it, uh, 76ers killing it. Um, I think right now it's probably a battle between Jokic and uh, M- uh, Embiid for the MVP, right? Do you see anybody else in that? Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. I think it's it's Jokic and uh, Embiid. I, I would maybe say um, Jonas, or Jonas, Giannis is always in that competition. Um, he's always amazing to watch. Uh, if you ask me, being a Nuggets fan, uh, Jokic has been the MVP this entire year. Uh, just purely because of the amount that he's doing and the efficiency he's doing it on. Um, and the fact that our team is so uh, injury ridden, you know what I mean? And has been, and he has carried us this entire time. Um, it's he's put up absurd, absurd numbers. Um, and, and, you know, so has Embiid and uh, Giannis. Uh, but I, I just, yeah, that, for me, if you ask me, I'm saying Jokic, but uh, some of the other big NBA stories, uh, one thing that was pretty interesting was uh, speaking of the Warriors, Steph, Draymond, and Clay played their first game back together in 1,005 days. Uh, it was a 126 over 120 or 126 to 112 win over the Wizards, and uh, Curry scored 47, six and six on 16 of 25 from the field, seven of 14 from three, and then eight of eight, 100 from the uh, free throw. And uh, I believe it was his birthday. So, yeah, that was that was a fun game for sure. That's that's crazy. And well, let me say this real quick. Um, shout out to Clay Thompson for not giving up, dude. Because yeah, you got two like back to back life changing injuries, career changing injuries, and never, never once like did he do the. Uh, pity party thing he never once you know uh, he just literally said like yeah I'm gonna come back and uh, a thousand and five days for those three to be playing together again is is crazy and also shout out Steph and shout out Draymond for holding down the fort until Clay got back now with Clay being back you know it's going to be able to take a lot and I mean I think we're starting to see that now it's starting to take some stuff off of Steph to where you know he, he can he can kind of be a situational player when he wants to be. He doesn't have to be the main focus of everyone. Um, right. Because, yeah, when you have the Splash Brothers back, it's shooters going to shoot, Ryan. Shooters going to shoot. Absolutely. And I, that's really when he thrived the most, wasn't it, when uh, even Kevin Durant was there. And he was the really – it was Steph's team, uh, but I would say that Steph was the second option uh, at a lot of those times during those Warriors years with Kevin Durant. Um, just because Kevin Durant is so freaking talented and he can do so much. Um, and that really played into his game, letting him, uh, you know, run around the court uh, without the ball and get open and just pop off those quick threes. And um, I think you're seeing definitely a lot of that come back, like you said, with uh, both Clay and Draymond coming back and uh, helping take some of the attention off of them. Because uh, when you just have Steph Curry out there, 
you know, he'll still drop 40 on your head, but it's certainly a lot harder for him uh, when he doesn't have those guys out there. And especially Draymond that he plays off of so, so much uh, on that pick and roll and all that. Um, and then, so for our last big story of the day, wanted to talk about Greg Popovich. He passed Don Nelson for the most all-time wins as a head coach in the NBA uh, at 1,336. Uh, he's in his 26th season now, which is now the longest of any coach in uh, all four major U.S. sports leagues, which is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then uh, quote from him on that, he says, it's just a testament to a whole lot of people, Popovich said. Uh, something like this does not belong to one individual Basketball is a team sport. You preach to your players that they have to do it together. And that's certainly been the case in my life with all the wonderful players and coaches, the staff that I've been blessed with and the support of this wonderful city. Uh, The fans support us no matter what. All of us share in this record. It's not mine. It's ours here in the city. And if that doesn't speak to Greg Popovich as a person, Jen, a coach, uh, you know, I I don't know what does. Um, That's been his mentality the entire time he's been coaching uh, you think about, I, I always think about the uh, Spurs as kind of like the Patriots of the NBA in the sense that, you know, they're doing it the hard nosed right way. They're, you know, uh, very technical, very about the uh, game within the game. Um, and just a, an organization run with pride and run the right way. And a huge part of that has always been Greg Pop- Popovich. So uh, glad to see him get his flowers a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And I mean, ever since like I watched NBA in the least bit, Greg Popovich has been a part of it. Yeah. And even more so, like he is a, I mean, what uh, the quote that you uh, read off is just like you said, it's a perfect example of the type of man he is. Because in a lot of times when, you know, you really could just say, yeah, I mean, I, I did do that. Cause he, he did do that. Yeah. Um, he, he credits it back to the city and he credits it back to his staff and he credits it back to his guys yeah. because, you know, coaches coach players play. Um, but ultimately like it's the fact that he, he brought it back and gave it back to everybody that really shows that, you know, this is why you have, over a thousand wins and this is why you're the longest tenured coach in any of the four us that's a crazy stat that's a crazy crazy like because i thought for sure that was going to be like a baseball record like you know just one dude just you know 30 seasons just in that same position you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, but the fact that you did it in the nba with how the nba has changed it just so drastically from when he uh, first initially started um, the NBA is totally different and he's still able to put out this very consistent, like, I don't even know anyone on the Spurs right now. I cannot tell you one Spurs player right now. Not at all. Not even one, <laughs> but still out here putting out consistency. And yeah. I mean, the great players that he's had, uh, you know, the Tim Duncans, um, it, it just really goes to show that, yeah, these guys really respect, respect him and, they play their heart out for him, man, and he does the same thing. He 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 puts his heart out for the city and for uh, for his guys. So yeah, congratulations to Pop for sure, because that is a. Uh, there's just some records that you know are never going to get broken, and yeah. if they ever do, then you know that like, dang, 
that dude really came and broke that record because that was a crazy record to break. Um, yeah, this is this is one that should should be everlasting for sure. I don't I don't know I don't know that anyone gets gets more than thirteen hundred wins. Like that's yeah, crazy. That's it's so crazy. Especially in the hardest league. In the hardest this isn't college or like high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the NBA. And he's got the he's got the he's got the rings to back it up. Exactly. Like, it is crazy. And it's one thing to dominate for a little bit of time, and it's a, a whole different thing to dominate for 26 seasons. It's, 26 you know, seasons. you have to be always evolving as a coach and changing in your strategies. There's uh, so many uh, one-note coaches that you can think of that did have success and, uh, you know, maybe won a, a ring or two. Um, but at the same time, they didn't have the flexibility uh, that these longer-term coaches ha- have to – change it up and uh stay alive and stay successful for as long as uh, somebody like greg popovich has so like you said congratulations to him that's such a crazy stat um and super cool to see and uh i i think that's gonna do it for us today enrique uh, i have to say that was that was pretty fun for a first episode yeah i think i think that was a good episode i think it was perfect I think we, uh, I think we hit on all the all the big ones. I mean, talked about Deshaun, still crazy to me. Um, the AFC West is loaded. Um, the Nuggets look good; they're about to get healthy and make a run, hopefully. And um, Russell Wilson's a Bronco. I guess everything's cool in in, uh, in Denver, Colorado, right now. Everybody's <laughs> everybody's loving life in Denver. That's for sure. All right, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Mile High Flight Show, and we will be back next week.